Welcome, everyone, to another fantastic episode of the Best Damn Comic Book Review Podcast around the Phoenix area, the world, and the internet in general. It is Tales from the Spinner Rack. As the Spinner Rack turns, so do the days of our lives. I am Matt. (laughs) I like it. I'm Corbin. I'm Jay. Welcome, 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 everyone. We got a lot of books to get down to. And dirty with this week. Um, before we kick it off, though, I want to start on a little bit of a somber note and say that the combo community lost a legend this week, and Mr. Denny O'Neill. Uh, he had a huge impact on the comic book industry. He is a name that is a, as synonymous as a, with a creative team as Stanley and Jack Kirby, uh, Bill Finger, and Bob Kane. Uh, you name it, they they pretty much go together. So. Uh, it's sad that we lost Denny O'Neill, um, his his artist partner, uh, and, and Neil Adams penned him a, a, a nice um, uh, op-ed or obituary in only the way Neil Adams could. Maybe not even obituary, but just a, a letter of thanks almost in only the way, way Neil Adams could. Um, but if you're familiar with Denny O'Neill, he, he did give a lot to the the world of comics and he made changes to the world of comics that are still felt today. Uh, he, he's pretty much the reason why superheroes face real world problems because that was his writing style. He brought his real world experiences and his real world issues into the comic book industry and made those heroes face that. Uh, that's why you saw things like speedy dealing with heroin addiction and, and things like that. So it, it's sad that we lost a major player in the comic book industry um, but like I said on, on Friday now, so geek podcast, that's these older creators. That's just something we're going to have to start getting used to because they're getting up in age. Why, why do you keep <laughs> sticking to that? I gotta be a realist, dude. I, oh gotta my be a realist. I know it sucks, but you gotta be a realist. <sighs> yeah. So I get you. he was 81. That's a big bucket of win. Long career. That is a long career. Um, yeah, yeah. it was sucks. I mean, you already mentioned all the work he did as far as grounding superheroes, making them more three-dimensional, bringing in verbal issues, attacking race, attacking drugs, um, totally being one of the key members alongside, like you said, Neil Adams, um, responsible for the remaking of the modern Batman. Uh, I highly recommend reading uh, Detective Comics 395. It's an like unofficial introduction of the darker Batman we've come to know. Um, also, um, I think it's Batman. I just read it earlier, 251, um, for like, a re a, a, the modern remaking of the Joker as we know him as well. Um, he of, of course got much darker, but this was just that transition from the campy '60s and the wacky '50s um, into you know more gothic kind of heroes and villains and themes. Um, and it's a shame. He was a wonderful writer. Uh, highly recommend uh, Batman Venom. Not only does it introduce the Venom drug that you know would you know indirectly be responsible for Bane as a character, but also is a deep story about a man in Batman who is just reaching his physical limitations and is faced with the tantalizing prospect of something that could help him um, to be more effective in saving people, but comes with a terrible cost and how to weigh whether being addicted to a drug or something, even on a good cause or with good, um, good intentions could still be just as detrimental. And um, he just did so many stories like that. Um, Raz al Ghul, all these other characters and, and stories and such that as a presence of the person, it, it's sad to see him go. Um, the inspiration he's given to so many of the writers of our time now and illustrators and people in the comic world 
Um, but at least his work still lives on and we can continue to keep that alive and, and read that and, and talk about these themes and have those discussions. So. Yeah, like Solo, what he just said in the chat, he had a very long, hard life, which is why uh, what we saw in his writing, and he's absolutely correct. He he definitely let his art imitate life or light if imitate art, whichever way you want to go about that. Um, exactly. and it's, it's sad to see it go, but like, like the old saying, you know, legends our uh, heroes come and go, but legends never die. And Denny O'Neill was definitely a legend to the comic book industry, and he left a lasting impact that'll be felt for years and generations of collectors to come. So um, it is sad, but you celebrate that life and, and the accomplishment that he gave. And even though the man is gone, his work will, will last a lifetime. So he's gone, but never not forgotten. Yeah, I, I didn't really know a lot about him personally, um, but I think it was really interesting in that Neil Adams piece, he said he was uh, like a journalist, like a, one of those like, like uh, down and dirty, like journal, like like all the president's men type uh, journalists that mm -hmm. would like you know get in the trenches. And he was, they like, say he said he was a newsman, and he said, and if I remember correctly, he said he he like didn't grow up reading comics. Yeah, no, um, yep, he did not. And and it was really interesting that what a unique um, perspective he gave to the genre. Um, almost like somebody that that maybe um, grew up reading and maybe couldn't have done that because they it's like he was on the outside looking in on it and the way he wrote the superheroes was different you know like Corbin was saying yeah you even read the the Green Lantern Green Arrow series I mean he, he like you like Corbin was saying they talk about like real life you know that like you know they talk about homelessness or homeless um, they talk about like I think there was one that where Green Lantern and Green Arrow like battle like a slumlord, you know. Yeah. And and there was a a really interesting um, uh, dialogue. Uh, I don't remember what issue it was, but I remember um, Green Lantern was talking to um, one of the the tenants in in this building, and and the tenant looks at, at Green Lantern. And he goes, hey, you know, he goes, I see you in the in the papers and. He said, I, I see you helping uh, green skin folks, blue skin folks. He goes, how come I never see you um, helping black skin folks? And, and Green Lantern was like, my gosh, he's totally right. You know, and, and he like went out and specifically, like he realized he was right. He goes, I'm helping everybody in the galaxy, but I'm not helping the, the, the people here on earth that really need me. He's like, gosh, that's awesome. That like, I've cool. never seen anything like that you know, before th that issue. And um, I don't know. It was awesome. It was great. that the, the perspective he, he brought to books like this is so, so awesome. Mm -hmm. But, but thank you for everything you've done, Denny. And uh, we're going to move on from there. So we're going to move on to our pickups this week. Our new, our new pickups, uh, our number ones, key issues, anything like that. We got, you want to go ahead and kick that off Corbin? Uh, yeah, shout. Well, I got a few things. Shout out to uh, Brian, uh, absolute geek member. I got a whole bunch of Wizard magazines. We're talking oh, about a whole store box of them, and comic. Yeah, I know Jay. And comic industry books. These are literally just five I grabbed of a whole box full. Comic readers. Oh, that's. Um, I remember that Spider Man one. Yep, and it's a whole box of that. So that was fire. In addition, I also grabbed a bunch of books for my next time baby list, which is. Uh, 
an homage to uh, Terrence. Uh, Terrence uh, is Terrence Howard, right? Yes. The original uh, <laughs> War Iron Machine Man one. Yep. The exactly. Roadie. Next time, baby. That's books I'm gonna f- buy in the future. But this was from my last next time, baby list. Uh, we have a uh, Spider-Man three seven three seventy five. Yep. That's the first ASM. comic book I ever owned. There we go. ASM three seventy five. I got the Iron Man two hundred. Iron Monger, inspiration cool. for Iron Man One. Uh, this was one of my personal favorites. Uh, ASM One Seventy Eight, uh, the Green Goblin, Bart Hamilton. Interesting little twist and storyline there. And then my favorite ASM Three Forty Six, and that Fire cover. So um, really happy to have these books, all of that, um, and then a bunch of Wizard magazines and um, a nice. Uh, Noir, Batman, Hush, which um, is pretty cool, too. So I just grabbed a bunch of books. I really had a fruitful search. Um, I got a Godzilla book. Uh, actually, Jane knows about this. Um, I got a Godzilla trade. That was a new one, but um, had come in like just slightly damaged. The shop gave it half off at another shop. So it's been a fulfilling haul, and I'm happy to have a bunch of books. There you go. I had a big week for pickups myself. Mm-hmm. A big boy week. Got Amazing Spider-Man 50, first appearance of the Kingpin. And here comes the booms. <laughs> <laughs> I got the uh, Amazing Spider-Man 61 first cover appearance of Gwen Stacy. I was there for that. Yeah, I was crazy. I got uh, Amazing Spider-Man 90 Death of Captain Stacy. Mm-hmm. And I also picked up, speaking of Denny O'Neill, Amazing Spider-Man 210 first appearance of Madam Web written by Denny O'Neill. Solid. 9.2. Nice. 9.2. He's been going for those greater books. Like they know tomorrow, man. One day. So that mm-hmm. was, those were my big pickups this week. Big week. Big week. It has been. It has been. At least for the classics and the and the you know stuff we could get from the shops. What uh what did you pick anything up other than your pull list this week, Jay? Um nothing like old. Um, like you, like older, like you guys did. Um, I picked up uh, Adventure Man number one. Um, the image put that out. I picked up uh, Flash number seven fifty five, and that's about it. Other than oh, and Deadpool number five. Ooh. So, Adventure Man number one was uh, is written by Matt Fraction. So. That's that's the only reason I picked that up. I picked that up um, as well. I have not yet read it, but I picked me that either. up as well. Me either. So solid though. All right. Yeah, it's a little hard. That was good. That was satisfying. I feel really good about my stuff. I know it's gonna take me a little bit to get through those books, but um what fun. Nothing better than going down and um, you know, dollar bin diving and finding some good hookups and some good deals, man. Doesn't none beats Definitely. it. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, kick this week's show off and get into um, we'll get into our reviews, and then we'll do the news, and then buy our pass for next week. Uh, I think this week is fitting to call it Punchline Week. Uh, this week was <laughs> all about Punchline and Batman. Uh, so let's go ahead, and we're going to kick today's review off with Batman 92. I think it's only fitting to start with Batman 92 with... That cover that uh, everyone was searching for for the longest time, that uh, art germ punchline variant that mm-hmm. 
was put, yeah, was okay. supposed to be, I think, on originally issue ninety four and got pushed back to ninety two, so um, to come out early. But Batman ninety two, what what were your guys' initial thoughts on on Batman ninety two? I mean, just throwing it out there, I love that with James Tinian, his storylines have been interesting in that so many of his books have been almost standalone issues within bigger story arcs. And it's like this Venn diagram of such where you have this overarching arc, overarching arc, and then a story inside of that going into another bigger arc and a story inside. I could pick up each book and such as in 92 have a beginning, middle, and end of my story while transitioning yet into a bigger story where all the books go together to form a run. And I just find myself loving that style. It almost reminds me of comics um, written, you know, in the 80s and 90s where, you know, you had storylines come together, but because of the writers at the time, it was so dense and so packed that each issue had its own story inside. And so that's really my first thought on 92. Well, so Batman 92 saw... Uh, the Batman still fighting um, Deathstroke, and then he gets caught in a, a game with the Riddler, where the Riddler is basically turns the entire city into a crossword puzzle, and he is giving out clues, and Batman is just answering these clues left and right, and it's frustrating the Riddler to where Riddler thinks he's cheating. He cuts him off from everything. He can't talk to to Lucius Fox. He can't talk to anybody. It's just Batman versus the Riddler. With Deathstroke and Batman is just he at every turn he is besting the Riddler and the Riddler is getting more and more angry about how this is <laughs> happening. And then you also see Harley Quinn and Catwoman are are in the sewer. They're um, still going to um, pursue the uh, the designer and they come across an entrance. They're they're going into the meet the, the designer's area to rob a bank. They're going to rob a bank and um, you see that you get your first face to face with punchline and Harley Quinn and uh, Catwoman tells Carly, this is the Joker's new girlfriend. Punchline is quick to say, no, 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 no. I'm his partner, not his girlfriend. I'm his partner. And you kind of see that you start to get that face to face with her and Harley Quinn. And they start to throw down as it cuts to um, basically the end of the book cuts to the, uh, the designer sitting in, in Bruce's office and he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. So, uh, for me, crazy book. I like that. It started with the penguin in the hospital. Um, and you still got to see a little bit more of Deathstroke in, in Batman's fight. I love that. It moved into the, the Joker stuff and you can kind of see that the Riddler is losing it and the Riddler is losing it so much that, Batman's like, I recognize where you were. We've been here before. I've seen you. You've done this before. Like, I knew this office. I knew right where you were. I knew all of this. Like, you weren't, you're slipping, you know? And they're, they're basically saying that the, the Riddler is not on his game. He's slipping. Batman bested him. Um, it's good. I mean, we talked about it on Friday. This, this punchline stuff, they're slow playing it. Like, this week, we got a lot of punchline stuff. We got, she was in Batman 92. You saw her fight against Harley Quinn, her first big role in in this book. Um, you got to see her in Batman Secret Files. You got to see her origin story in the Joker 80th anniversary issue. You got a lot of her. And they're real slow playing her. But I feel like you're not getting, I feel like you're getting a lot, but you're not getting a lot at the same time. Because I kind of feel like she's not giving you anything of substance. 
we have yet to get anything of substance. And I even kind of feel like her, her origin story wasn't anything of substance. To me, like, I know you liked it, but to me, it kind of felt like a weak origin story. Like, there's more there. But that's why I liked it. Because you get the bare bones, and like you said, the slow paying. And so, as you go on, it's like the Joker's origin. I mean, that's been up to several different interpretations and everything. But you have some basic outline of what it is. Boom. That on itself doesn't stand for much. It really doesn't. But then there's little nuggets and pockets that can be filled in that ultimately can flesh out this rather anonymous backstory for a character that almost the less you know about them, the better in the sense of the perceived threat of said character. And that's why I like it. You're right on its own. Like if you take that story and go, boom, it's, it's your cookie cutter plot, but it just feels like there's so much more to punchline. And we know who that there is. That's what makes it so much more interesting, but I'm with you on that. Um, I just, I, I'm going to throw another thought out. I like the fact that this book, one, the artwork was amazing. Um, Really just like the way that what is uh, Gilliam March and uh, Tomei Mori, as far as um, color um, and, and just art, made not only the Riddler look just crazy, but like in a cool kind of way, almost manic. Um, Batman, there were some scenes that were just resonate, like look back on the panel, worthy scenes. Um, and then also for a book that's had, you know, more than its fair share of fighting and, and fireworks and such, this book was very much kind of a slower... A take from Matt again, a slow burn that was more focused on Batman's other um, aspects that make him him intelligence and, and quick wits and battle of the minds more so than just brawn, even though there is at least one or two elements of that. So I enjoyed that part as well. Yeah, it definitely made him focus more on his detective abilities, especially with him just going back and forth with the Riddler and the Riddler accusing him of cheating and he's not, you know, because it's just that he, this has happened before. And Riddler's slipping, so Batman's getting the better of him. What did you think of it, Jay? I thought it was really good. Um, you know, you guys pretty much said it all. I, I loved how um, how you don't you're we're not getting a lot of punchline. It's not being thrown at us. We don't know exactly who she is, where she came from. Um, I like that they're they're kind of taking their time and and giving us little by little because she's still awesome you know you could still you know some somebody's gonna come and ruin it and give her some lame origin story and you're just like oh whatever and kind of take away from that but now you know you're using your imagination and be like wow she's pretty she's still pretty cool you know you kind of don't know where she's coming from and that um i, I was hoping to to get a little bit uh to get the harley versus punchline like maybe a little bit more down the line, you know, I was really surprised that they already showed it starting off, but I mean, that's cool. Um, but the, yeah, the art was amazing. The way, um, you know, uh, the, the way that punchline was drawn and, and Catwoman and Harley, that whole scene in that bank, um, was so awesome. And it was just, it was well paced. It was very, the dialogue was awesome. Um, but yeah, man, it was great. You know, because you know that's the fight everybody wants to see. I know. Everybody wants know, to see the yeah. punchline versus Harley. And, and I'm already? I was like, okay. Everyone wants to see the, the scorned girlfriend versus the new girlfriend, you know, and that, that yeah. cat fight. And I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get it. I know it pops off a little bit here, but, you know, I just, I don't know. I wanted a little bit more. And I'll, I mean, I guess I'll go into that when, the, when we get into our next review. But what's your, what's your guys' score for, uh, Batman 92. 
I mean, out of five, I gotta give it a four. Really, I've really enjoyed um, Batman since uh, Tinian's been on it. Couldn't get any worse than. No, I'm just kidding. Not gonna go there, Matt. But anyway, um, <laughs> hey, 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 we'll do this. So IGN, IGN, for take it for what it's worth, they did the best comic book series of the decade, and guess who's Batman topped Tinian's? Wow, Tom wow. King's. Tinian's hasn't been going on for so long, and it's really been such a rough decade. Didn't it just start now, 2020? Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. still, 2020 been a year from hell. No, I'm kidding, but yes, I see what you're saying. I mean, uh, you can't say that he hadn't, hadn't had some good books. You're right. I, uh, I'm not gonna go there, but yeah, yeah, I've I've li- I've really enjoyed Tinian's work on it. It is yet another solid entry as we get up to Joker Wars and. What he's been doing on Punchline, what's been going on with the individual stories, just gives me more and more faith as we round to Tinian's first major event with Batman in this way that is going to be knocked out the park. So, um, yeah, four to five for me. Cool. I'll give it a 4.5. Oh, man. Oh, almost a perfect good. score, huh? Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go three, five. Oh. Three, five. I'm going to go three, five, because this book was hyped. This book was overhyped. This book was hyped for months while we were on the the coronavirus lockdown and while we were on that hiatus. And it was overhyped that it was coming back and DC pushed it. And they're like, oh, it'll come back. And they overhyped that it was coming out in June. And they overhyped the punchline. They moved the, the punchline art germ variant to this issue. And then you only still get a little bit of punchline. Uh, okay, so I'm going to push back just a little bit. I, I'm with you. I think 3.5 solid, and I get what you mean, because it was pumped to high heaven about how good this book would be. But do you prefer DC's approach now with it than what we would have normally gotten, let's say, this time six months ago? I am I like that she's not being in your face. Like, don't get me wrong. I like that she's not in our face and being jammed down her throat, but I wanted a little bit more. Uh, in this of her a little bit more than her just showing up getting that full facial picture of her her saying she's not joker's girlfriend and then her and harley quinn throw down if i would have got maybe another page Mm -hmm. or six or seven more panels of her and harley quinn going back and forth i'd been this would have been a five for me but because of the overhyping and because of the long wait and because of the fact that they moved this cover to this issue for that purpose and you only get that little bit maybe three or four panels of her it it's not yeah that that's pretty much it you don't get that those you don't get a lot of panels of her right now that is you know we still don't know okay so out of everything this week that we got we've got her her backstory we've seen her we still don't know her motive. I like that. I, I, I understand. Like that. No, I understand that. But we don't know her motive for what she's doing now. We don't know her motive for why she joined the Joker. You would think you would have got that in her origin story and you didn't. And I and I understand you like that they're, they're slow playing it and they're, the they're sizzling it out and they're building her up. I, I, I understand. But to me, like that's I just wanted a little bit more from this issue of her and Harley Quinn. You're, I mean, when's the last they've planted They've planted of, this Mm-hmm. For two issues now, you would you prefer a Gotham girl and Gotham introduction? Of no, 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 no. But like they, they, they pushed this <laughs> for two issues. They pushed this showdown for two issues. They teased it in the last issue. 
with her and, and Catwoman. And now you get to it where they're about to to hit off and it, it cuts. So Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, even it's, like a, a, a couple shots in, a couple shots in, a stalemate, any you know, anything like that where at least they do a little bit more than look like they're about to have a, a slap fight. Yeah. I'm sold. But it's so just, you think it's more reality show type deal yes. right now. Which yes. Kenyon has a way of leaning into where it's, you know, just before the end, oh my god, it's gonna be great. And then you know, next episode, and it's not half of what you expected. But I then feel it like up, I'm oh watching, my god. I kind of felt like I was watching an episode of Jersey Shore reading the end of this because you're getting ready to have that big throwdown cat fight that they tease at the beginning of the last or the end of the last episode, and you're waiting for it, 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 and it builds and builds and builds, and then they end this episode right when it begins. So now you have to come back for a third episode before you get any more of it. Oh no. <laughs> you should have yeah. gotten in the first right. yeah, I guess exactly. You. With a bunch so, of outtakes and reverse angles. And, yeah, so 3-5 for me for Batman 92. Um, over Story good, otherwise overhyped. See, that's um, the thing, man. You, I, I, don't, I don't read much hype about these things. I look at previews and when these things are coming out, and I don't, I don't want things to influence my... Yeah, but, I mean, with you know, doing this type of podcast, though, we're more connected to this kind of stuff and we hear about it all the time like because you're you know looking for stuff for absolute geek you hear about this and then just all of the people all the people we talk to on a normal everyday basis are so in connected into this community that you it just comes up and you hear about it and you know something stupid is like oh check out this stupid article about punchline and it's like oh okay and you know it, it just kind of the the speculation game oh this cover is going to be hot look for this book look for this book look for this book and even when stores were coming back from the coronavirus it was like batman 92 comes out this day still no dc's changing the way they're doing they're distributing but no batman 92 batman 92 batman 92 batman 92 we get batman 92 and it was kind of underwhelming and i was like eh because see it's yeah you're like like the victim of hype yeah you know i you know what? I'm, I'm going to knock mine down. The first time I've ever done it, mid-show. I'm going to go to 3.5 as well. Wow. Yeah, Matt swayed me. That is true. Once That's true. I've been so hyped up on how I feel the series has been well-written that I've been almost under the guise of, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I never did get exactly what I asked for or what I've been waiting for because I've been so, yeah, 3.5. I'm sticking to mine. All right. I'm sorry. I hate and to you're do it. you're entitled yeah, wow. to, sir. That, that you are definitely entitled to. Yeah, it was good. I just realized, like, I, I almost felt like I'm punching this book for Tinian's few, in my opinion, flaws so far in Batman. But that is one, and yeah, I guess that's right. I've been talking about '92 since I even visually thought of '92, and here it is. And I'm like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's go wow. ahead and move on to our next book. We're going to review. I think it's only fitting. Let's move on to reviewing the Joker 80th anniversary special. 0.5 out of 5. What, co- what covers did you get, Jay? Um, I just got a, the digital version, and I don't, I'm don't. i not even sure who drew this. It just has like Joker in a spotlight with like a bloody crowbar behind him. Oh, that's the Capullo. Um, oh, okay. So, but yeah. That's Capullo. I got the Jock variant. There we go. Yeah, I end up having. I end up going back and looking at the Jock one. What which variants did you get, Corbin? 
Oh, well, remember, I didn't originally buy it. I went oh, back yeah. yesterday as I was hanging out um, and, and basically picked up one to put in a box. But um, it was a 70s variant cover. So Jim Lee Scott Williams. Gotcha. It's in my box, but I already read it. It's one of those. So Joker 80th anniversary issue. Not worth the 10 bucks. I'm going to say not, not worth the 10 bucks. I am a huge Joker fan. He's probably one of my favorite villains, if not my favorite villain. Um in in DC and maybe even comics period, but kind of underwhelming, not worth the ten dollar price tag. It's a hundred it's a hundred page spectacular. Look, there I found two stories in this book interesting. One of them was punchlines um one of them was punchlines origin. Yeah. And the other one uh that I found really funny or well okay maybe three. So the first, the first one where um, that doctor is trying to to help a victim of the Joker's Scott is, Snyder's Scott Snyder's one is yeah. is good. Um, the punchline, uh, the James Tinian punchline origin was interesting, and yeah. then the one that I found that got me the most was the uh, the story where. Joker finally gets what he's always wanted, but it turns out he doesn't really want it. I know that one was weird. I loved that. Did you? I love that story that the Batman dies, Batman's dead, and the Joker is kind of going through all this like internal confliction of like the Batman's dead and now what's my existence? Nothing's funny anymore. There's no there's no more punchline. You know, there's no more reason for me to exist. And he's and he's like, what do I do now? And it cuts to him working at a DMV. I know, man. It it, I would have liked it a lot better. Jolly's telling people that they filled out a form wrong and they have to refill it out and go to the back of the line. Wow, that I thought was fantastic. But let's talk a little bit about the uh, the punchline origin uh, story in here from Tinian. So. Punchline's origin is pretty simple. It's she's in, she's got an infatuation with the Joker, and not in that way, but kind of like you know she she tells her her dean or her teacher that some kids grow up to be heroes, some kids maybe want to grow up to be villains, and she's one of those people. She grew up idolizing the Joker, not in the same way Harley Quinn did. But she grew up idolizing the Joker to the point where she started making Joker toxin, and she was practicing and in, in perfecting Joker toxin on students and animals and and things like that. And then finally, she uses it on her dean and her teacher. And she's kind of like, "Hey, you're the first one that this has successfully worked on." And then you, you kind of cut over to to the Joker standing next to her. So the Joker sought sought her out. She didn't go looking for him like Harley Quinn. He sought her out. And interesting, interesting origin. Like I said, I wanted a little bit more from it. Corbin thought Corbin's liking the slow burn. What, what were your thoughts on, on, on this issue guys? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, like most of these, they were, they're very hit or miss. Um, there were some that were oh, the, the Danny O'Neill one was kind of funny, um, but yeah, is it's they're typically not worth the price. 
but I knew so little about this book. Like I saw this, the, I got to the, cause I just read it cover to cover and I got to the, the punchline story and I started reading it. And then like, I, I kind of, they had a picture, like one panel of ours, like, I go, is that her? And then I just kept reading. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is her. Like I had no idea this was even going to be in here. So it was a, a total surprise for me. Um, but yeah, there were some pretty cool ones. I, I was a little bit disappointed with the Raphael Albuquerque one because um, it kind of seemed like a Fight Club ripoff a little. Um, but the it was the art was amazing, of course. Um, but yeah, it it was it was okay. It was okay. I, I I'm I'm with you. I, I don't think it was worth the price. And and if we're doing ratings now, I'll I'll probably give it a three. I would have, I, I'm going to go three, five on this one too. I would have definitely preferred having those three is, stories as standalone issues versus having to buy the entire hundred page spectacular for that. But yeah. I mean, I don't feel like I got my $10 worth. I, I mean, okay. So here's my rebuttal. When's the last $10 special that you bought that you did feel you got your money? Right. For? Right. You don't. Yeah. These exactly. specials as a whole, you're just kind of getting, I mean, you, the legacy uh, creators and and inspirations and some variant covers that look pretty cool. But as a whole, these stories aren't something you think people spend time crafting. It's like, oh, we'll just put these random guys on it. Let's throw together a, a story for it and boom. Um, I went into this knowing that I was basically throwing away $10 and that's what <laughs> I felt like, you know? Like I, and the funny thing is I was even more happy about the punchline intro or origin story because that's more or less what I expected. From the way it's been going so far, whether that's because I've gotten a hold on Tinian's writing and how it is a bunch of lead-offs and build-ups and maybe not the actual substance yet, or if it's because I was just in line or in tune with what I thought DC as a direction was going to do with Punchline. But I figured that the origin story wouldn't have the complete spell out everything that's happened up to this point in time. I figured they wanted to keep it as loose as possible, open interpretation, open variation, something Tom King could have used more of um, when he was doing his story. So you didn't have to go back and remake stuff that we already knew wasn't the case, but going back to punchline, I expected that. And it was um, semi-satisfying to get that, but as a whole, no, that story wasn't going to carry the book. Um, in fact, no story actually did. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a little bit of maybe, I don't even want to say a little bit of everything. It was two stories that like a waste of my time, but a little bit of one or two that was like, Oh, okay. You put that book out for five ninety nine. I feel a lot better about it. Um, ten dollars. I wasn't impressed. Five ninety nine would have been perfect. Yep. I um, agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, make it one more than the regular. I think. I think I'd have to go three five on this one too. The Joker. I'm gonna give it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah. Corbin's gonna go three, huh? Mm-hmm. Dang. I'm thinking there's some stories in here that. I'm not even sure like I entirely got <laughs> you know, it's like what the what was all it was this? Weird. It was weird. Yeah, there's a couple weird ones, but eh. Yeah. Um <laughs> all right. So let's move on to our next book for this week. Um do we want to go another Batman book or do we want to break up Batman? Do we just want to get, get the Batman get up and out? Batman yeah. out of the way. Yeah, let's give the meat to the bat. Well, sounded weird. Whatever. Give the meat <laughs> to the bat. All right. I, I meant meat out of the bat, but that sounds even weird. Just let's continue. Get, <laughs> get the meat out of the bat. 
All right. <sighs> All right. So um, I can't remember. I know we talked about this before the show. But I can't remember if either of you read this or I was the only one. Let's go. Batman Secret Files number three. Did either one of you read Secret Files? Mm-mm. No, I did not get my hands All right. up. So I'll save you some time. Batman Secret Files number three is another um, uh, another one of those books that is made up of um, different stories. This one came in at a four ninety nine price point, like we were just talking about. If we would have taken the three stories from the Joker, that's the price point you'd get. That's the um, that's the price point you got for this Batman Secret Files number three coming in at four ninety nine. Um, be, you know, this is like I said. This is another book that was all just collective stories. The only reason this book, this book had a nice. Um, God, I don't even know where to start with this. Honestly, uh, the first story where he's fighting an assassin, uh, it, it's fun because he gets kind of like he's trying to bait her. Like he sees her, he sees a lot of Dick Grayson in her. Mm-hmm. As he's fighting her, so he thinks he can turn her to the dark, to the the light dark side, side from the dark, and <laughs> she gets the better of him. Where he's got his guard down and he's trying to talk her, you know, to her as they're fighting. And she was like, "What makes you think that I was going to come over there? I I killed these people for enjoyment, nothing else." He's, she was like, "I wanted to test myself against the best, and you disappointed me because she ends up poisoning him because." He uh, he lets his guard down and he goes to the hospital and that's kind of where he has that real, realization that you know he can't let his guard down he can't treat everyone that he sees in the state like they're Dick Grayson or they're vulnerable and that he's got to come to terms with the fact that there might be people out there that are this is just what they want. Um, the second story that's in that setup is you get a nice little buddy team up with him and Green Arrow where. Um, they're basically fighting or Batman's being hunted and he's not sure who he's being hunted by. And then it, you come to find out he's being hunted by Malcolm Merlin and he, uh, Batman's like, well, I've been told that Merlin's been in the city for months and he, nothing's happened yet. What are we going to do in, and green arrow was like, well, if he hasn't made himself known to you yet, he's hunting you. He's a hunter. He's hunting you. So he's watching what you do. He's memorizing your, your steps. And at some point he's going to set a trap for you. And that's what he does. They come across the burning building with a, a little girl inside. Batman tries to go in and save her. Malcolm Merlin takes two shots at him and basically shoots him in the back with three arrows. And uh, moral of the story is him and him and Green Arrow escape the building. And, you know, it, it was another story of, well, you got to be more careful and, you know, pay more attention to what you're doing. And it, it was just kind of a, a dumb it's kind of a dumb story. The only the only takeaway story for this issue is that it's an issue that leads up into the Joker War um, where you see uh, Batman it's Batman and Deathstroke fighting kind of like you got in Batman 92 so it's kind of a tie-in with Batman 92 and you see um, prior on a deserted island, Joker shows up in a Hawaiian shirt, very killing joke <laughs> attire with punchline to confront Slade Wilson. And he wants Slade Wilson to, to go after the bat family and Joker lays out his plan. He reveals that Joker knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. 
and Joker's plan is to go after Bruce Wayne's fortune. He's going to take um, all of his money. He wants to take the, the, the Bruce Wayne fortune, including all the trust funds he has set aside for Dick Grayson and Jason Todd and, and Tim Drake and, and Damien and all the trust funds he set aside. So he kind of coerces or coerces Deathstroke joining him uh, because he gets to go after Dick Grayson again. And that's kind of what the issue is. That's going to cut kick off Joker war. And the cool part is Batman and Deathstroke are fighting at the end and Deathstroke's kind of, and Batman's like, tell me what this is. Tell me what you're doing. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out what he's up to. And Deathstroke basically tells him no. And Batman's like, fine. And he busts out a battering and just stabs Deathstroke in the eye with it. Wow. And the final issue is Batman on his knees and basically asking Deathstroke again, saying, tell me what he's going to do. And Deathstroke says, you think this is over, but it's not. This is a fun, that's a funny joke. You have no idea why. But you will, Batman. You will. And it says to be continued in Joker War starting in Batman 95. So it's kind of that lead up into... Everything tying together. Yeah, it's kind of the prologue into the kickoff of of Joker War. Again, um, another 3-5 for me just because, again, it wasn't... The stories didn't feel like it was worth the money. I would have much rather seen this be just the lead up into Joker War instead of all these multiple tie-in stories uh some of them like I, I like the first one because it shows batman can be can be arrogant at times where he thinks that you know he can always do good and he can always turn people he can always bring people over to to the light and because he's done it with dick and he did it with you know tim and he did it with jason and he thinks he can always turn that that bad seed that's lost and and he comes to the realization maybe sometimes these people are just that bad seeds. They're not lost. This is what they're doing. And they know exactly what they're doing. And he kind of let his guard down and he got a little bit of his own medicine when she poisoned him. But then the Joker, it was cool finding out the Joker knows Batman's secret identity that he's known for a while. And he kind of just has ignored it. Um, but three, five, three, five for me, just cause it, there wasn't a lot there. It was definitely a, a, a prologue to the beginning of Joker War, which we're not even going to get for three more issues. So, true that, true that. Hmm. Three fives I mean, across the board as far as the Bat books are concerned this week for me. Not not uh, terrible, but not great either. I don't know. A lot of mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, of mediocrity. it's been it's been it's been pretty rough. Are we talking? To, are we going to get to the the next Batman one? What's do what's it? Your next uh, the Batman adventures one? continue. Yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll go with Corbin's Batman's adventures continue. Corbin's. Yeah, it's me. Well, if you, I mean, it came out what April? Um, on, online or uh, yeah, a digital, oh, movie, right? Okay. So this is the first week that it was available um in print. So the majority of people will be getting it this week for the first time. Um. Uh, you know, you may have been a special person or, you know, especially comic starved um, with disposable income um, during the coronavirus shutdown when people were just buying it. But basically the same um, producers of Batman the Animated Series have come together to continue a comic series that is stri- that is strictly in this animated series universe. Um, right off the end of the new Batman Superman Adventures in 1999, just before they had to go to work on... Um, 
um, Bat on Justice League and on um, Batman Beyond. So it's that uh, it's that creative team um, going at it again. So you do have um, um, Paul Dini, or, yeah, um, um, Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, um, Ty Templeton, kind of at the helm of this of this um, project, which is just continuing the Batman story with new characters. Azrael is going to be making an appearance. Deathstroke, oh, cool. Jason Todd's in it. Yeah, from that perspective, which I think is interesting. Um, so. It, the art style is is again it's the same people from the series so just put yourself in that perspective and you have straight from that Batman Adventures the only thing different is that it is more geared you know it, it's it's kids can still read it definitely more geared to uh, a older audience in some ways um tying together you know strings and whatnot um this first issue wasn't too crazy it's Bruce Wayne um trying to discover or trying to figure out why something from his industry has been broken into by this giant robot and he goes to to get the robot the robot puts him down hard or whatever he escapes he's trying to figure out what does it have to do and why is the robot here and what's it to do with with um wayne tech and why is it trying to take this artifact that hasn't been disclosed yet um lex luther incidentally is in town they have an interaction between him and bruce where basically referencing the batman superman movie you know, of the mid nineties um, and saying, listen, I tend to avoid Gotham since then. And Bruce, I know you don't trust me and you think I was in league with the Joker, but I really wasn't. Now Batman obviously knows difference since Batman knows Lex Luthor and Lex Luthor doesn't know Batman and Bruce Wayne are the same, but Batman's like, yeah, whatever. Okay. And they ask about Superman and um, Lex is like, oh yeah, he went off about uh, a month ago to fight um, Brainiac on the moon, and he hasn't come back yet. So I'm just here, you know, trying to figure out things. And really, it turns out, long story short, that Lex Luthor is piloting the robot. Of course, he is. Um, that has Brainiac tech to bond with Brainiac. Again, a precursor to the storyline that would happen in Justice League Unlimited. Um, and it's being powered by a remote battery source that is giving it extra abilities. And it turns out that that battery or power source is actually Superman, who had been um, kidnapped and brainwashed inside the machine. So Batman breaks it out, end of story. But there's a guy with a gray streak of hair in the shadows kind of watching Batman at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book and not really saying anything. He goes to this alley, and this guy's like, I seen you in this alley looking around, like, what are you, what's your business here? And he points a gun at him, and the guy's like, oh, forget it. And he goes back inside, and it reveals that it's Jason Todd, who's been following Batman around and is trying to, you know, have his moment in the sun to confront him. Um, interesting, only if you're a big fan of the Batman animated series, I am. And so I would give it a four out of five. Um, it's just filling in gaps. I would love to see how they incorporate um, Jason Todd, how they incorporate Azrael, because especially in that animated series, both in TAS and in the new animated series, it is very short between Dick Grayson and Tim Drake, with no mention at all of Jason Todd. So I really think it'll be interesting how they handle that. But, I mean, you have the creators at the helm of literally one of the seminal animated works ever. Um, I trust them with Batman, and uh, I trust this book. Four to five. There you go. Nice. Let's let's keep this Batman train rolling. Jay, you want to go Nightwing? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so, as everyone knows, um, Dick Grayson um, has lost his memory, and he's been slowly getting it back. He's had some setbacks. 
um, a few issues ago, um, Court of Owls um, came out and and tried to tried to play some mind games on on, on poor old Dick, and it screwed him up even more. On Rick, and, Rick yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so um, last issue when when Dick Grayson realized that the the therapist that was trying to help him was also um, in the court of owls, there was uh, kind of a, a you know a struggle, and it she was like using this crystal to kind of like take his memories and kind of hypnotize him and giving him more, giving him uh, like a, a backstory of of that that he was actually raised by Talon and not Bruce Wayne, and he had like these parallel memories going on. And so during the struggle, the, the crystal kind of like went flying and Joker like picked, like came out of like the, the woodwork and like kind of picked it up and like took off with it. <laughs> and um, so now you kind of see Joker making his move on, on Nightwing. And um, so he, he kind of, um, he sneaks into, you know, him and Dick Grayson and his, and his, girlfriend were sitting in, in the bar that she works at and Joker provides like a distraction and, and, and gets, um, gets Dick Grayson alone. And he kind of starts doing the same thing. He, he starts using that crystal to, to manipulate Nightwing's memories. And like towards the very end, he starts kind of like saying, um, you know, that, that, Hey, that, you know, you were raised that he, that it was actually Joker that like raised him from, you know, as a child after his parents were killed and stuff. So Joker's like feeding him like yet another like BS story. <laughs> so um, it was, it's a fun book. Is it like really awesome? No, um, but it was, it's fun and it's entertaining um, Kyle wants to know if, if Nightwing has finally picked back up in your opinion okay so here's the good part at least we don't so Joker like killed one of the like the the the, the three guys three or four people that were being Nightwing so so that was pretty cool that he, that one of now one of them is gone we don't have to deal with that um, it, has it picked up the pace has picked up and it's finally going in a more interesting direction, but it's, it's still not great. Um, but it's, it's fun and you just kind of have to roll with it. I'm, you know, I'm, I Nightwing, you know, I, I mentioned to you guys that, um, I've got like maybe 10 books that I'll just, I'm, I'm always going to hang on good or bad. And Nightwing is one of them. Um, but it's, it's getting, okay. I'll, I'll put it this way. It's getting to a point where it could get good again. Kyle said it, it had really taken a dive and was almost unreadable. Oh yeah, it was, it was. Um, but now it's at a point where it could get good from, does that make sense? Like um, you see the jump start of a potentially good book. You don't want to put like, Oh yeah, it's well, back. It's yeah, the Joker but, war stuff is going to inject it. with like adrenaline. Yes. So. Yes. So I'm hoping this will be the jumping off point to, return Nightwing to greatness once again. <laughs> um, so I, I'll put this book, I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. Because like I said, the, the pace was great. 
um, the artwork is, is awesome. And um, it's, I, I hope, I'm hoping this is, this is the beginning of, of something good here. So. Nice. A three. Yeah. I kept going like in circles, you know, like you, you think he's getting out of it. And like, no, it turns out he isn't. And, you know, he wants to be Nightwing, but no, he doesn't. And it's like, you know, enough. It's like progression, you know, but, but now it looks like it's finally starting to get out of that rut. I'm hoping. Corbin, do you have another book you want to review? Um, I mean, not particularly. Uh, I read a Batman Adventures. I picked up accidentally. Um, <laughs> Inside I, one of the, your yeah. Joker book? Oh, no. Okay, so I had a moment of, I, I don't want to say comic dyslexia or whatever, but I picked up a book that I thought was the Joker 10 anniversary. And it was this. And I should have known. I'm looking back. I'm like, where's my Joker book? Where's my Joker book? I'm like, and when did I get this? It's like, oh. P.O.S. City. <laughs> exactly. And like, honestly, I guess I could draw something from this. Um, the tale itself is a dollar comic, guys. It really is. It's If it's a collector's item, I'm sure it might be around as like the first um, ever Batman Adventures book. 1993 was the print um, date for it. Again, same creative team that made um, Batman the Animated Series. In the back is a really cool feature about what they plan on doing with the book that I just reviewed on um, Batman, the adventures continue, but you have Ty Templeton, you have um, Kelly Puckett and um, Rick Burchett as the anchor. And I think honestly is my um, professional comic expert opinion. The, the miss, the, the not having, um, I guess Rick Taylor and Puckett come into play in terms of writing, because this feels more like the animated series in an episode than the actual Batman, the adventures continue. And in some ways, mm. Maybe because they knew their target audience. I mean, Batman the Animated Series as a whole was a general audience that kids could definitely watch kind of show. Um, it wasn't tailored directly to kids. But in the artwork style, there's a better use of shadows and colors and darkness that Batman inhibits in both the animated series and in the books and works immediately surrounding that show than there were in this, which really felt more like a Superman knockoff, even down to the giant robot and actual Superman in it, than it did a Batman story. It felt a lot more wide open, um, aside from the cover, which really kind of gets back to that deco style that you would imagine from Batman the Animated Series. The rest of the book is a lot more open, a, a lot less of that darkness that we've come to expect from a Batman book, down to the backgrounds, down to the coloring. Whereas this original one, which is a penguin story, nothing much to it. Really felt like I was going back into uh, the animated show with the shadow on the Joker and some fun work there. So not a whole lot there. It's a dollar book. Um, probably the first and only time we're reviewing here on the spinner rack, but let's keep our options open. Um, I'd give it a 3.5 out of 5. Um, oh. I actually preferred turning lemons to lemonade by grabbing a book I didn't mean Just like to and being able to juxtapose that against the book, same universe 25 odd years apart. What? Hmm. You, you froze. Did you, say that? <laughs> you froze just a little. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. My back. Yeah, I'm good. Oh, oh well, anyway. Um, good, yeah. yeah. I like the fact that it was, it just happened to be the same universe and the difference um, in terms of storytelling and quality was hmm. actually there to be noted. Very Wait nice. till issue 12, Corbin. Oh, man. That's Harley Quinn's first appearance is issue 12. Oh. I was like, are we talking new Batman adventures? Are we talking? Okay. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, what, what was your score on that book? 
Uh, 3.5. 3.5. All right. Um, so I'm going to go here with a book that I've I picked up the last couple issues. And this book is a weird book. It is a book that makes you think, but it is also a an oddly enjoyable book. And that's Ice Cream Man 19. So this particular issue of Ice Cream Man, it's titled um, Ice Cream Man Chapter 19, Haunting for Beginners. So you follow a boy named Cass at the age of 9, 49, and 79. Okay, so it's like a beginning. So it's like a beginning guide. So it's like step one. The panels are like step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. So basically, it's it's him as a kid. When you start the book, it's him at nine, and it's like step one to be a ghost. You don't. You can't let people see you. You can't interact with people. You have to act like you're that there. Don't try to walk through walls. And it's like you're looking back at as a kid. And he's like listening to his parents argue. And then he goes outside and he goes to his neighbor's house and he listens to his neighbors argue and and tries to get his friend to join him. And his friend's like, I can't, I'm grounded. And then, so it's kind of like you're pretending as a a child to be a ghost and you're listening to everything around you. And it's like, you're, you're acting like you can't be seen, like nobody sees you. So then it goes, it cuts to him and you see like all of the different issues that he's seeing adults have through his eyes and people have behind closed doors if as, a, as if you weren't there. So then he's going to this bridge where he likes to hang out and he looks up and there's a man that's standing on the edge of the bridge and he tries to call out to him, but the man doesn't hear him. And next couple panels show the man take a step off the bridge and fall and land in front of him and die. So the man commits suicide in front of him. And then it cuts to him at 39 and kind of the same thing where he's not being seen. He's not being understood. He's being ignored at work. He's being ignored by his family. His wife's cheating on him with her yoga instructor. His kids ignore him. And, you know, she's just like all she says to him when he comes home from work is clean the gutters. And then she rushes off to yoga. And he's like, I know she's cheating on me. And it cuts to a panel where he's standing on the side of the roof, just like he, he saw the guy in the bridge, but he chickens out and comes down. And then it comes to him at 78, where he finds out that he's got a cancer diagnosis and nobody is paying attention to him again. Nobody sees him. And he he ends up dying. And the only one that's there for him is his oldest daughter. And like he, he wonders what's going to happen to him when he dies. And you know, he starts floating up and as he's in the sky, flying through the sky, he meets the ghost of the guy who jumped off the bridge in front of him and they kind of fall, they kind of fly off into the heavens together. And as I'm reading this book, I'm like, what is this? What's going on here? How, you know, I don't understand this. And then at the end, it clicked. This book is a metaphor for how, um, for how we view our lives that a lot of times you go through life thinking nobody sees you, nobody hears you, nobody understands you. You feel like a ghost in your everyday life because people don't pay attention to you. People don't acknowledge you. People don't pay attention to you. You know, your own families don't do that. And it's kind of like weird how you play ghost as a child. And then it goes through to this when he dies. So it was it was a pretty interesting book. I, I'm not doing it justice in my review because it 
I think it's one you have to really, really read, but it kind of like hit a spot with me. And, and these, these are ice cream man's are very strange tales. They're not continued stories. Like each, each issue is kind of a different tale, but it's, it was really interesting. And, and you kind of just, you got to look at it for yourself. But like, like I said, the different panels are like different steps and the layout is interesting. So I, I gave this a four out of five. I'm really interested in ice cream man and just the, the odd tales and kind of like, it's a definitely enjoyable change of pace uh, from what I normally read. And I'm going to continue picking them up. I think. Yeah. You've got me looking at it now. This is intriguing. One shot tales of sour wonder and redemption. Yeah. That's pretty heavy stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle's crying. No one pays attention to me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Under the oppressive level, man. No one talks to me. Yep, that's pretty much how it is. Kick his tea in the pond. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's, a, it's like, you know, he's ignored and he just, his kids ignore him by the TV. His wife ignores him to go have an affair and he's pretty much good for nothing and you're overlooked your entire life. So it was pretty interesting. I would say if you, if you like oddball comics and you're looking for something that's a different change of pace, definitely check out Ice Cream Man number 19. Will do. Yeah, that, that's... Thank you for that. That's one of those books I think that can sometimes slip under the radar. And, you know, the whole art that is comics. You know, you have the big two, you have IDW, you have all these other guys. And you also have these stories that are just really well written. And I guess it's from Image. Really good stories that just kind of can just kind of float underneath and this is a story i'm very interested in checking out so thank you for that you're welcome all right let's go uh daredevil 20 jay yeah all right yeah um well first of all i just want to want to preface this by saying i think i think daredevil is is my favorite marvel book that they're putting out right now oh wow um it's Chip Zdarsky, um, any time, every time, like they they keep getting new writers. I'm like, ah, oh, there's no way they're gonna get they get better than the previous ones, and they they have amazingly enough, and I like it because it's so it's so like gritty and street level. Um, you know, you don't have Daredevil fighting, you know, uh, who Galactus or whatever. They keep it within his zone within hell's kitchen you know and um the things that have been going on with so kingpin is the mayor and you know everyone knows he's crooked but he 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 got in there now you have another crime family these billionaires that are trying to get power away from wilson fisk and you also have um these crime families, uh, you know, uh, with a gang war going on. And then you also have um, Matt Murdock, who uh, he, he got hurt like really, really badly a, a few, a few issues ago. And, you know, he was sitting there, you know, sulking, oh, I don't know, I want to be daredevil. It's not worth it. I'm too old and blah, blah. And, and so Electra comes and basically, you know, like slaps him around. He's like, what are you doing? You know, this is what you were born to do. Now I'm going to, you know, she basically retrained him. And in this issue, like just all those things came to a head, you know, um, uh, the, the family that was, that was trying to, to out Wilson Fisk, uh, 
hired rhino crossbones and bullseye just to go nuts in hell's kitchen um and so wilson even like wilson fisk you know was ticked and they want a city destroyed and he was out there you know uh, uh fighting these guys and turns out wilson like planted um typhoid mary secretly working uh, in hell's kitchen and, and she comes out and it was just chaos and in in the middle of this um like daredevil you know kind of kind of realized froze. that he was meant to do no no uh kind of what he was meant to do oh did i freeze sorry <laughs> and um he was just kind of like realized his training he was like top of his game you know in all this chaos and um anyway so yeah he was he it was a great issue it, it was just it was huge epic battle um and story artwork aces uh, I again I, I give another 4.5 to to Daredevil number 20. Wow. You might have me checking that one out soon now cuz I've let Daredevil kind of slip through the cracks I think. Oh dude, it's been so good. It's and been then you, so good. You have another book uh this week in uh the uh old old haunts number 1. Yes. So let me get to that here. It hold haunts. Okay, so it, it's basically it was put out by the same company that uh, put out uh, Year Zero, that AWA upshot, and it's another gangster like mafioso type book um, about three guys, three older mobsters that. Um, they basically, they're, they're, they're another group that have kind of gotten top of their game. And, um, one of them wants to get out, get out of the whole, the life. And they all kind of were like, okay, well, you know, they made this pact where well, if one of them gets, if one of us wants to get out, we all have to get out. Um, so it has them going to the, like a, a remote area where, um, they, like dumped all their bodies and see that it didn't explain this, but it showed them like dumping the bodies. And as they did, they put like the coins over their eyes with these X's, which was like an old, um, it was like a, like an old medieval, uh, tradition where, uh, it was for, it was like the, um, uh, the money for the fairy man of the river sticks. Um, so that's it was so you know the river sticks being like the the where you cross over to the you know the realm of the dead so that's where the coins come from but when they were sitting there talking and um you could see like the like all the bodies that were buried underneath them like their eyes started lighting up so they started kind of like you know animating mm -hmm. so i don't know man it was okay it was just a major setup for you know, see what's, what's to come. Um, so the story was, uh, the writers are credited, um, Ollie Masters and Rob Williams and yeah. Lawrence Campbell was the artist. And, um, again, Lee Loffridge is the color is on colors. It was all right. I'm still not sure if I'm going to come back. Uh, I'll, I'll probably give this one a, 
I'll give it a three. And that's being a little generous just because it's, it was pretty slow moving and not a lot happens, but um, art was pretty cool. And if it, I, I just love like old game, you know, I love Godfather, I love Goodfellas, Casino and all those kind of movies. And this is kind of in that same mold. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll give it that and I'll, I'll probably give it one more issue, one more. And if it still doesn't take us in a fun, a fun place, then I'm pulling the ripcord. Only one more, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna give it one more. One more chance. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Only one. That's Ooh, good. No. Good reviews. Mm-hmm. Good reviews. Solid week. Solid week. Solid mediocre week. It was there. There's some solid releases. Just mm-hmm. not the ones I picked. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. But I well, I think the re- well, yeah, there were some solid releases, but I just think that they were the hype and the weight of it did a lot to affect kind of I think our scores on on some of the books. It's hard to say would we have scored the book higher if it would have come out two weeks after the previous issue, or if there wasn't that big you know three month gap between between issues, you know. So yeah, who yeah. who's to say if they didn't have all that extra time to to hype up the punchline in Batman 92 and then that would give us what they gave us. Who knows what our how we looked at that. Yeah, exactly. Very true. So let's go ahead and get into to a little bit of news here. Um, so we have the uh, Brian Michael Bendis announced that his uh, Superman run is nearing its end. I don't think any what? of us are are super sad on that one. Super sad, sad, but he did a decent job. You think so? It was decent. It It wasn't Tom King Batman, but I wasn't happy. (laughs) I think you you need to go to some kind of therapy with your Tom King Batman issues, my friend. (laughs) Oh, because I'm scarred? No. After the war of jokes and riddles, I wanted to play a riddle on the joke of my life. Anyways. The war of um, jokes and riddles is like the best uh, story in that run. Yes. It was everything after that that went all kaput. I said after the jokes of war. Oh, I see what you mean. I interpret as if no. That was the few. I actually liked I Am Gotham too. Everything after that. We're not going back down that hole. But he was representative of how bad DC was with Batman. And Brian Michael Bendis was there with me in Superman. He just didn't go as bold and make as many crazy moves as um, King did. But I don't think that Ben, you could, what what was one Bendis story that you look at and went on Superman? Hmm, that was good. Kyle, Kyle disagrees with you, Jay, 100%. He says, no, he didn't, Jay. He's like, he shit to bed. I, I liked the last action comics, um, you know, when when they brought Connor back and to, to meet what's-his-face, to meet John. And I don't know. It it, it was okay. It, I, I was hoping maybe it would take off a little bit more, but you know. I'm not sad that he's leaving. I just It seems, it seems kind of fast, that's all. It wasn't to be, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm, he's been yeah. on what a year? How long have you been on? Two years? I don't remember. He's gonna move on to Batman now. He's gonna transition to Batman. Oh, okay. oh no, no, he's not. <laughs> Although I know Tinian wasn't supposed to be there for a very long time, so who knows oh, who's gonna transition uh, out of that one? You're right. I think the rumor is he's gonna take it to a hundred and then bounce, something like that. 
Yeah, that's scary. Jeez. Probably, probably to the end of the war and jokes and riddles, the end of the summer. Or not, God damn it, Corbin. Now you got me mixed up. The end of the Joker War and then bounce after that. Um, Aftershocks Comics is uh, launching their support comic shops, SOS Charity One Shot, in an attempt to draw co- uh, customers back to comic book shops and m- mitigate some of the financial hardships caused by COVID-19. Aftershocks Comics is launching a special 48-page anthology comic, Support Our Shops, SOS. It's going to be provided free to stores. The anthology will showcase work from both industry veterans and newer talent um, to help get people interested in back into shops and uh, getting them to stay focused in supporting those shops again. So I think that's good hmm. on good on Aftershock Comics for doing that. We'll see how many other comic shops step up to uh, kind of continue continue supporting the the local shops and getting those shop owners back up and running. So that's exciting. Uh, What other pieces of news do we have? Uh, Image Comics publishers are slamming DC's psychopathic decision to leave Diamond distributors. So we talked about this last week and I so I I talked to um, a shop owner on Tuesday when I went to pick up my, my DC books and you know, there people are making a big deal out of the the diamond or not diamond, but the the fact that Midtown owns one of these publishers, and so they're basically buying comics from Midtown, in and from the direct competition and online sales and yada 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 whatever. But as far as we were wondering, um, pre sales and how pre sales worked and all that, there a lot of they're saying that they only pre ordered up until. What where the cutoff date is in July for DC and Diamond? So DC took care of that. So they're gonna make sure all those orders are fulfilled, and then everything coming out after that was was ordered through the new um, distributors. So hmm. it's really not gonna have an effect on shop owners. And, and right now, it's it's looked at in DC Comics as if you want buy DC Comics, fucking buy DC Comics. If you don't want DC Comics, don't buy DC Comics. And that's that's pretty much the gist of it, but kind of just the bare bones. Um, but images is, is kind of going after them, saying that it was a poor choice, and it makes everyone, you know, they did they did it. DC did it without any consideration of how it would affect the rest of the marketplace. So, you know, you know that's that's funny. I I was reading an article about that, and then somebody commented. Um, that that's weird that because wasn't image founded on that same principle, all those guys left Marvel, you know, in, in like a huff and started this company in, in like direct rebellion of the, the big, you know, the, the major player, like a company that was, that was like based on this is now telling DC that it was, it was in poor choice. It, it's just kind of, you know. It's kind of funny. Yes, Kyle. Jesse James did say, if you want DC Comics, buy DC Comics. If you don't want DC Comics, don't buy DC Comics. As a shop (laughs) owner here locally, he is the one that said it, yes. And that's pretty much the the consensus. It's... You, you can you can sit there and say, you know, we're not going to carry DC Comics in that shop. Oh, well, people are just going to go to a different shop. Yeah. If they want the comic book, they're going to go buy it. So... Bottom line bottom line i do wonder 
how it'll look though with more books having access to I guess days of old where you could buy them at supermarkets and more retail um, than just you know your local comic shop. Hopefully treated better than Walmart did with the comics that they've had, the Giants and everything. But just in general, being able to go, you know, I was looking at something like Danny O'Neill actually had said, speaking of him earlier, he said he used to, his pops used to go um, take him down to get like a gallon of milk for the family and then there would be a wall of books in the store. It's like, are we going to go more to that with distribution being totally different and not just directly aligned with the shops, with the consumer having to go to different places to find their books? It may not just be, you know, the local comic shop, if they don't carry, they have harder access to get it. It may be, you know, Lord help us, a Target or a Walmart or generic supermarket or retailer, you know, where you get your groceries, whatever you need. You also happen to pick up books that fill in your collection or keep up with what's going on. Yeah. Hmm. Could be but, interesting. All right. Well, let's get to that part of our show where we review the books or talk about the books that are coming out next week. And we tell you whether they're going to be by or pass remember next week is an off week so there is no marvel books this coming wednesday or uh, the 17th no marvel books only trades coming from marvels so if you're looking for marvel books you're gonna have to wait another week um we're gonna start off with get over here boom studios uh the final issue mighty Morphin power rangers versus teenage mutant ninja turtles comes out i am all on board for this 100% 100% on board for this book. The final issue of the, the series? The final issue of the series, yep. Shift into yes. <laughs> issue 5 of 5. Shift um, into turbo. WYND from James Tinian, number one, comes out. There is a, if you're a spec guy and you listen to Absolute Geek Podcast, you hear on Brian talking about on the top 10 Peach Momoko. Peach Momoko covers, Peach Momoko covers, Peach Momoko covers. Well, for uh, WYND from Tinian, Cover C is a Peach Momoko variant cover. So if you're looking for that, uh, be on the lookout for that Peach Momoko variant of that book. Um, where, where is that coming? Who's putting that out? That is going to be Boom. Oh, man. I haven't even heard of that. Huh. So it I'll is WYND number one. I will probably pick it up, too, as well, because it's a number one. And it's from Boom. And Boom has Boom's been pretty good on their number ones currently. Um, as of late, so I'm going to take that up. Uh, they have Bill and Ted's trade a paperback gift set for 40 bucks. No thanks. Peach Momoko. <laughs> Not Momo, uh. Kyle. Uh, Dark Horse, we have Disney's Little Mermaid. Disney's yeah. Little Mermaid. No, I'm good, but Not, thanks. Not this week. <laughs> Uh, DC, we have Aquaman Giant number four. Just unsubscribe from all my giants. It's been an expensive waste of time for now. I might yeah. get one high price. Especially Aquaman Giant? I had untold heroes. I was getting them all. Like I didn't even remember. But no, no. Long story short, no. Batman and the Outsiders number 13. More than likely, I might look at it, even though the series hasn't been super great. The big one, Dark Knight's Death Metal number one. Yeah. yeah. Hard pass for me because I didn't like metal, so why would I want to go for death metal? Well, metal was overrated, but I thought it was a solid book. There were some pretty they did some pretty creepy renditions of uh, of the those Batmans from that dark universe. That was pretty cool. If uh, for that's, anything. That's gonna be a maybe for me because like I said, I didn't like metal, but this so is meta. 
This is uh, Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder, and I don't know. They, they'll always have a a special a place, place in the heart. heart. Yeah. Their weird costumes and overrated. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> Detective Comics 475. Yes. So. Oh yeah, I gotta continue with that. Uh, Flash Annual number three. Nope. Probably. Green Lantern season two number four. Yes. Hawkman nope. twenty four. No. Nope. Metal Man seven. Not a no. The question: The death of Vic Sage. If anyone's reading the question, I might look at it, even if it's only an homage to uh, number three. O'Neill. Uh, we have the uh, Nightwing Annual number three. Yes. You might check it out. Strange Adventures number two of 12. Nietzsche. Superman 22. Yes. That's a negative for me. The big fat no for me. Uh, mm. Wonder Woman 757. Yes. Uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth number three of four. Yes. Uh, Young Justice 15. Mm, probably. probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the fence. Uh, Dynamite, we have uh, Death to the Army of Darkness, number three. Oh, yeah. That was I, actually, I, that's actually been surprisingly good. Really? Yeah. All right, then I might have to check it out. George R.R. R. Martin's A Clash of Kings, number four. You said, George, you lost me. R.R. <laughs> <laughs> Red Red Sonia Age of Chaos number four. Uh, see, I knew that was. I knew Red Sonia Vampirella. Yeah, uh, one of those was Vampirella be. Red Sonia number eight. Oh, so I think combine this. Yep, <laughs> with the Peach Momo cover. Oh, so there is a Crow has a from IDW. It's called Crow number one of three Peach Momoko second printing variant cover. What? Like the crow? And then uh, there's a okay. Peach Momoko number two of three variant cover. So she's going crazy. Peach Momoko, yeah, she's hand over fist. Peach this Momoko is everywhere. Everywhere. Getting your little Peach Momoko covers on. Um, Dying is easy. Five of five. The final issue that I reviewed issue one on this show. I haven't been back. Um, it's been I, pretty good. I liked it, but I, I can't remember why I dropped it. It's very wordy. It's it's very dense. It's a Joe Hill book. It's almost like like maybe a, a DC was like nah, like kind of like rejected that one from his Hill House collection. So he yeah. gave it to whatever publisher this is. It's putting it out, but it's been pretty good. It's just dense. It's just not his best. Like it's something that, like, from a spin up off the old block, but not something he wanted. Like, fully put his name behind. It's a murder mystery. Mm. Interesting. Uh, moving to uh, we got GI Joe, a real American hero, number two seventy two. I wish GI Joe was good. This country needs a good GI Joe. No, <laughs> yeah, it does, man. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay's favorite book, Ludocrats, number two, comes out from Image. No thanks. Oh. Ah, come on, you don't want Ludacris number two? 
No, I might fold it up and make a good doorstop out of it. But <laughs> Birthright 44, if you're reading that. Um, so it's going to be a light, pretty light week next week. Um, and again, no, no Marvel. Uh, Omni or Ani Press, you got Invader Zim, Quarterly, Pasola. That's and that's pretty much it. That's that's it for next week. Next week is a uh, a lighter week. I like those lighter weeks, man. You can kind of branch out and like re, you know get stuff you don't normally get. Look at some things. That is true. That yeah. is true. I'm gonna have to take that philosophy, kind of adapt and, and see some things I normally wouldn't. Also, you know, on the total other end of the spectrum, you can stick to the books you have and save some money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> books that you know you won't get. So I guess either way, you win. Right. So that's good. Also, awesome. birthright started so awesome. I feel like a lot of books have started so awesome and died. Yeah, off. you know, it was funny. I was gonna 20. say I read the like the first volume of Birthright, and I thought it was really good. And I can't believe it's still going. It's crazy. Twenty twenty started so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Way to make it dark, Corbin. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! Way to screw yeah. it all up, Corbin. I know, had to, had to be me. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I guess that'll do it for this week's episode of uh, Tales from the Spinner Rack. You guys got anything else you want to touch on, real quick? Nope, no. Good. I mean, keeping back. Well, we're not, we're not ready for our closing line. Keeping bags and boarded. Those, you know. No. We'll get there. Mm, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well if this is your first time finding us on youtube please make sure to hit that like subscribe button if you had a good time uh leave a comment down below turn those notification bells on so you're notified when we go live every sunday at 3 p.m mountain standard time uh if you're listening to this back on tuesday make sure to leave us a review as that goes a long way helping us in the podcast standings and letting us know what we're doing good and what we're not doing good um and what you might like to see changed about the show and our reviews uh, we welcome all. Uh, what else, what's the word I'm looking for? Criticisms. Criticism. We're looking for all criticisms. If you guys want more Ben to Superman reviewed, I'm here. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> he'll be, he'll I'm offering all, all, right all the Ben to Superman you can have. All the Ben to Superman. All you can have. I'm just. I just want to throw it out there. But. All right, guys. Well, for this week's episode of Tales from the Spinner Rack, my name is Matt. I'm Corbin. I'm Jay. And we'll see you guys next week. Same Spinner Rack time. Same Spinner Rack channel. Remember to support your local comic shop. Keep them back and boarded. And then pockets loaded. Yes, he said it. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that, the show is perfect. <laughs> <laughs>